Get him in. Get him in. He's fading fast. Is he responding? Nurse, slap his cheeks. No, wrong cheeks. Slip him back over. Doc, he's seductively sanitary quixotic exotica. I know, I know. Prep the table. We need 50 cc's of rum. Check. Limes? Check. Pomegranate? Check. Absinthe? Absinthe? Damn it, where's the absinthe? Check. Okay now, nurse. Shake it. Shake, shake it like this man's life depends on it. Okay. Administer elixir. Wait for it. Wait for it. There. You hear that? We, we, we have marinda rhythm starting to play, sir. Stiffening up the spine. Movement. We got movement in the shoulders. He's not in the clear yet. Nurse, in order to revive him, we're going to need all hands on deck. No, I said deck with an E, but that's impressive. Lips are curling. I think, yep. Yep. We got a smile. Eyebrows are waggling. I, I think we got him. Doc, he's coming too. Sir, do you know where you are? Yes, Tahiti, that's correct. And how do you feel? Like going on an adventure, you say? Well, my good fellow, I believe you are cured of your cafard. What's that? Well, you can call me Dr. Funk. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Tony, and this is Pod Tiki. If you haven't figured it out yet, we are covering the Dr. Funk in this episode. Unique in that it's the only original tiki drink to actually have been invented in the South Pacific. But in order to tell the story of one Dr. Funk and the ensuing cast of characters, we must first cover Le Cafard. Is it possible to relax too much? Think about the hustle and bustle of life from which we hope to carve out a few hours or a day here and there to simply jettison the vicissitudes and have our only responsibility be that it's our turn to mix drinks. Imagine that one vacation that sticks out in your mind, sprawled out under a palm shade with a tropical drink, warm evenings of moonlit dancing, fresh fruit for breakfast, and why not have that 11 a.m. daiquiri? Boy, wouldn't it be great if that could last forever? Would it become monotonous? What happens when the exotic becomes mundane? Could too much of a good thing truly make the life of leisure a detriment to our mental health? Could it be? Is there actually a mental illness brought on by too much relaxation? Yes, and it's called kafard. Much like the term ennui, kafard is a state of depression brought on by extreme boredom. It's accentuated by the heat of the tropics as well. Imagine like a, it's a combination between depression and heat exhaustion. But it's more than that. Think if you didn't have a job to do, no purpose in society, nothing to contribute, you're wealthy enough to cover more than you'll ever need, living in your own cultural vacuum, and you're so bored you're literally going crazy. As people, we have a need to feel fulfilled, to have a place, to navigate life according to the expectations of our culture, no matter how productive or petty the pace. We need to feel like we're doing something, like we have purpose. The funny thing about Kafard is that it most notably affects foreigners living in the tropics. And, let's be honest, when I say foreigners, I mean rich white folks. Yankees, Howleys, and the such. I have thoughts on the subject. I know big surprise. Here's my analogy. 
those of us that were around before there was unlimited on-demand content at our literal fingertips can remember what it felt like to not have constant sensory overload. When I got bored as a kid, it wasn't so extreme because the norm was not that extreme. Nowadays, old man alert, people, including myself at times, experience real anxiety when the persistent paradigm of stimulus is taken away. I recently experienced a two-day loss of power wherein I constantly found reasons to go out to a restaurant or a bar or a coffee shop because sitting in the ether of nothingness was excruciating. We see it in young people who grew up with social media and on-demand content. They need to have a screen in front of them at all times, the digital babysitter. And even though I practice mindful meditation and reading and all that jazz, a nagging necessity for that dopamine fix is ever-present. It's like an addiction. Even the great Hemingway, a man who rocketed from experience to experience, suffered the ennui. So much so that it is attributed to his eventual suicide. You see, it can also be brought on by a sense of having done everything. Living in constant adventure mode till the means run out, either by exhaustion or of funds or spirit. What to do when there's nothing left to do? Nature abhors a vacuum but anxiety lives in it. The normally overstimulated find solace in simplicity for a time before it grows heavy and buckles under the weight of emptiness. The person carrying a bucket of water endures the struggle knowing it will serve a purpose, where the person carrying an empty bucket bears the burden in spite of themselves. I'm spending a lot of time on this because it deserves gravitas. I'm not a wealthy man, but as a middle-class white male living in a first-world city, I have experienced, albeit at a lesser extent, the feeling of floating through life without purpose at times, a privilege that affords a cultural absence. Thankfully, I have the anchor of my family, my wife, my friends, and this podcast to keep me grounded. So, why mainly affect affluent expats in the tropics, i.e. rich white folks? Basically, it's because they're the only ones who in the era we speak of, could afford the luxury of boredom. The native islanders had shit to do. You know, like trying to find food for their families. These days in the modern world, we've reached a level of comfortability, and in some cases complacency, in which we are susceptible to kafard. I remember my own father experiencing a bit of kafard after retiring in Florida. Don't worry about him, though. He's fully embraced the beachcomber lifestyle, and I can only hope to still be partying like my folks when I'm their age. I also think what adds to kafard for expats is simply missing home. I've made Nashville my home for the past 12 years. Not only the pulse of the city, but the growth I've done here will always keep this place special for me. Even still, there are certain idiosyncrasies that I have that just don't fit in here. A mindset that's not like the people that I'm from. Throw in some loneliness and a few sips straight from the rum bottle, and it's easy to succumb to a bit of kafard. Returning to Dr. Funk, though, it's because of this malady the good doctor made his name. Dr. Bernhard Funk was a German physician who decided he was way too funky for Europe and made his way to Samoa in 1879. He spent the next 31 years practicing medicine in the capital city of Apia. It was there he befriended Robert Louis Stevenson, author of Treasure Island. Stevenson also famously resided in Apia, where there's a museum dedicated to him now. 
The two men were close, and Stevenson sums up their relationship in his quote, The doctor, though he tipples a little and gabbles much, is a good man whom I respect. Unquote. Unfortunately, in most sources, it seems Dr. Funk the man has been summed up by his relationship with Stevenson. It kind of sucks when your claim to fame is being friends with a famous person. It doesn't do justice to the actual man who had an interesting life in his own right. His expertise in medicine was a long-awaited blessing for the people of French Polynesia and the South Pacific where Funk traveled to provide treatment. His first wife was the daughter of a pirate named Bully Hayes, and his second, a woman named Senetima, who was the daughter of Chief Talia. But what the doctor is most notably recognized for is his treatment for Cafard, a mixture of lime juice, seltzer, and absinthe. You see, the good doctor was also known throughout the South Seas as something of a celebrity mixologist. Dr. Funk had a penchant for potions. His remedy for Cafard was said to, well, I'll just read from Frederick O'Brien's White Shadows in the South Seas. Quote, Its particular merits are claimed by experts to be a stiffening of the spine when one is all in, an imparting of courage to live to men worn out by doing nothing. Unquote. The drink became known as the Dr. Funk as it pervaded the South Pacific. On every island, you can hear people calling out for Dr. Funk, not only in the hospitals, but in the bars. It's uncertain when Don Beach came across the drink, but throughout his Polynesian travels, he would have been well aware of its popularity, which is why he chose the concoction to adorn the menu of Don the Beachcombers. All Don really did was add rum and adjust the levels a bit to dial in the recipe. In that, we see a local favorite become a stalwart part of the original tiki diaspora. And what a part it is. The Dr. Funk may be the most replicated and homaged libation in the tiki oeuvre. Any respectable tiki bar, and some unrespectable ones, had a version of Dr. Funk on the menu. There was the Mr. Funk, the Dr. Fong, and the Mr. Wong. I don't know where the Asian influence came from, but... If I'm venturing a guess, this is where we get the Fu Manchu-adorned asian face tiki mugs. And if anyone out there is offended by that mug, I implore you to look at the other mugs in your collection. If you're not Pacific Islander or prey to Tahitian gods, they may all be offensive. To say nothing of the scantily clad iconography of women depicted in tiki artwork. I'm just saying. So please don't think I'm being sanctimonious. I love tikis and boobs as much as the next guy. Probably more. But I digress, as I often do. So, let's see. I did a narrative intro, I covered the history, and even stuck in a little bit of a hot take of my own. That can only mean, well, that can only mean one thing. It's time to make a drink. Despite the multitude of names, most tropical bartenders agree on the simple Dr. Funk recipe. Lime juice, grenadine, herb saint, rum, and soda water. The only outlier being Martin Kate, who functifies it for his Smuggler's Cove menu. Kate's recipe blends lemon and lime juice and adds simple syrup. This works because where Don the Beachcomber used a light Puerto Rican rum, Smuggler's Cove uses a funky pot still black. Hamilton pot still black is not available near me, so I used a pot still gold with a little Myers for color. I see what he was trying to do here, playing off the namesake, and it's definitely heavy on the funk for sure. 
a very balanced but rum-forward drink. I'm not sure they would have had this style of rum in the South Pacific in Funk's day. The, the fruitiness comes out, though the herb saint is subdued, sadly because I think that's supposed to be the prevalent component in this drink. It's a really good drink, but too much like other drinks in the Smuggler's Cove pantheon. Odd, because Martin Kate states that one of the reasons he got into tiki was because too many drinks tasted the same and he wanted to change that. But, with having a signature style, so many of his recipes are quite similar in profile. To the point of defeating the purpose. This, like, for instance, this drink is very reminiscent to me of the 2070 Swizzle. I mean no disrespect at all to Mr. Kate. His book is a seminal work of the genre of tiki, and his prowess in the business is irrefutable. To me, this version just doesn't capture the essence of the Dr. Funk, turning out more like a poor man zombie. That being said, let's get into the original Don the Beachcomber recipe, which I used in this research. We'll begin with the citrus. Tiki historian Jeff Beachbum Berry first published an early recipe calling for three ounces of lemon juice and lime juice, uh, a three ounce lemon lime juice combo. That was from the St. Paul Beachcomber restaurant. Perhaps their taste buds in Minnesota were frozen because immediately he received feedback that the rendered drink was way too sour. And what the hell do Minnesotans know about tiki anyway? I say that with my tongue firmly planted in cheek as my wife is from the great state of Minnesota. And they indeed can do some tiki, shout out to Whistling Bird. But later Jeff discovered a recipe from the Palm Springs Beachcomber that only used lime juice and lower the amount. I tried both, and I agree that the latter makes a more balanced cocktail. Uh, soda water is pretty self-explanatory. I tried both seltzer and sparkling water, and yes, there is a difference. Sparkling water contains softer bubbles, where seltzer is more like a soda. Fight me on it. In this drink, I prefer seltzer, as it adds an effervescence more redolent of a medicinal remedy. Uh, some sources claim that Dr. Funk himself began adding pomegranate syrup along the way, or at least some bartenders did before Don Beach got a hold of it. Personally, I believe it was a Don addition due to the fact that he liked that grenadine herb saint mixture for his most famous creation, the zombie. I suggest a simple homemade grenadine slash pomegranate syrup uh, made by cooking equal parts palm juice and raw cane sugar. Bring to a boil and remove from heat, stirring till it settles. Which brings us to Herb Saint. There's been some chatter on the Pod Tiki Facebook page lately regarding the use of Herb Saint versus real absinthe. Let me just say, I love absinthe. No alternative has the, the tongue-coating anise creaminess that you get from true wormwood. The Green Fairy has served as my muse on many occasions. But... During Prohibition and the banning of Wormwood spirits in the U.S., many absinthe replacements came on the market. Pernod is a French expression that I truly find exquisite. Growing up in an Italian-American family, we always had anisette around. Pro tip, add a little to your after-dinner espresso. Thank me later. Herb Saint is the American version, created in New Orleans by two men who learned how to make it while serving in France. I mean serving as in the military, not as a maitre d'. Let's not forget that Don Beach is originally from New Orleans. Thus, when it came time to use that flavor, it makes sense he would have gone with the brand he grew up with. Not to mention, absinthe is expensive. I prefer, I prefer to save mine for sipping. Uh, for more on this, check out the Sazerac episode. Rum. Here's the big one. 
The Don the Beachcomber recipe uncovered by Jeff Berry called for light Puerto Rican rum. Perhaps a, the Spanish style of rum he used back then was truly way different, but I found that a modern Puerto Rican light rum left the drink lacking substance. And I usually like that style of rum. The drink was very anise-heavy and out of balance. Here I felt maybe Martin Kate was onto something, trying to uh, funk it up a little bit. I tried some funkier rums like Smith & Cross, but the balance still wasn't there. So I thought, which rum in my repertoire would land equidistant between a light, bright Spanish style, yet incorporate enough funk to add some roundness and depth? I split the difference with my favorite daiquiri rum, Plantation 3 Star. I am an unapologetic fan of 3 Star. I find it soft and medium-bodied with just enough funk to give it character. It's not unlike Probitas rum in that way, but I find 3 Star to be a brighter and more floral expression as opposed to the rich creaminess of some of the finer brands. So sip on Probitas and mix 3 Star. Early beachcomber recipes show this drink was initially blended before being switched to being shaken. Um, it's unclear to me whether Don changed the, re the prep method. Uh, he was known to adjust his recipes over time, or if Jeff Berry precipitated the switch to make the prep easier when he published the updated recipe in Beach Bum Berry Remixed. I made it both ways, and I didn't really notice a difference, so I stuck with the shaking for ease. If you're going to blend, though, I suggest flash blending. That's two or three small pulses to blend the ingredients without creating a frozen drink. I like this method of blending because the ice chips float, leaving only the liquid at the bottom so you don't suck ice up into your straw. All right, a Dr. Funk is three quarter ounce lime juice, a half ounce grenadine, quarter ounce herb saint, one and a half ounces of light rum, plantation three star, and one ounce of soda water. You're going to add all of the ingredients except the soda into a cocktail shaker, shake with plenty of ice, and then stir in the soda water. Pour entire contents into a pilsner glass or tall tiki mug. Garnish with a mint sprig and a cherry. Immediately, you can taste how this combination of flavors became the archetype for so many subsequent tiki drinks. It's evident this had to have influenced the rum, herb saint, citrus, grenadine mixture of the zombie. In fact, this drink reminds me of someone who's been hit, bit by a zombie but hasn't fully turned yet. It's almost as if you can taste the early attempt at Don getting his footing, softly experimenting with a few of the flavors that he would later make infamous. The first sip offers dark fruitiness from the pomegranate with a subtle sweet anise coming next. There's a prevalent tartness that plays really well with Herb Saint and harkens back to the doctor's initial recipe of limeade with absinthe. A light blended rum like Plantation 3 Star was the right choice, and combined with the above recipe makes the best representation of how I think Don the Beach wanted the drink to taste. Blend of funky and light, fruity but not overbearing with a slight fizz, a touch of quixotic effervescence. Indeed, the mild carbonation adds a magical sparkling texture that's just so. It makes the drink feel a bit naughty, and medicinal even. I love the anise notes playing with the rum and fruit notes. It's really good. Sure, you can tone the citrus down, but then it's another homogenous punch. I like the way the flavors undulate, popping out at different times. It's like drinking in 3D. The profile is less exotic tiki per modern tastes, but more tropical, 
which is what I think exotic would have been back then. Um, we tend to project on the past through our modern lenses, but I think in the late 19th century, this would have been looked at as an exotic drink until Tiki came along in the 1930s and turned everything upside down. I really like this one, and it's easy to make, which is rare for Tiki. I believe the key to a great Dr. Funk is not overcomplicating it. Don't try to get crazy with adjustments and rifts. Some things are timeless because of their simplicity. And that's a bit of all right. From time to time, we all have to humble ourselves and take our medicine. The funk to cure your funk. Making this just what the doctor ordered. Sources for this episode can be found under the blog post at podtiki.com. Make sure to follow podtiki.com across your social media on Instagram, pod underscore tiki. Follow my personal page, rum underscore poet. And search Facebook on, if, or search uh, podtiki on Facebook and follow our chats there. Those are getting livelier and livelier. Go ahead to YouTube for the video content. I post all of the how to make the drink recipes up there on video form and also Catch the video-only YouTube show called Inside the Mug, where we recap all the episodes, tell a little bit of behind-the-scenes about what's coming up next, and whatever I decide to go ranting on. I want you guys to also check out Surfside Sips. If you're looking for your custom glassware, summertime is coming, you're going to be going out more, you're going to be traveling, going to the beach, bring that sweet-ass uh, custom uh straw with you don't be don't don't be using those paper straws that are going to fall apart in your glass and disintegrate and then plastic straws and and you know you're going to walk around with the metal straw in your thing if you accidentally trip and fall and then the straw goes through your brain nobody wants that so just get a custom glass straw that is it's going to be it's perfect for tiki drinks it's perfect for traveling they sell cases to go on the go and if you don't want something custom or something cool or, or like too fancy they sell regular sets of like four, five, eight different different sizes, different shapes, um, different widths. You like a big fat straw? You want a, you're drinking smoothies, or you want a little tiny straw? You want that McDonald's soda straw, or you want the you know little, little, little tiny paper steak and shake straw? So it, whatever you get, they got it there. And when you pick out what you want, and you're going to your checkout area, make sure you enter Pod Tiki, all caps, all one word, P O D T I K. T-I-K-I, and that'll get you 20% off your order, and it'll let them know that I sent you, and that'll only grow our our relationship and the podcast in general. Which, folks, brings us to the first mention of the big announcement for the summer. I've been teasing it probably longer than I should have because uh, I was trying to get this done earlier. Look, it's actually kind of perfect because we are on the horizon of summer, pun intended, and we got to drop this big announcement. Something special happening for Podtiki, something special happening for me. And I'm going to go into a little bit more on the Inside the Mug video. So if you want to know a little bit about behind the scenes on how this is going to unfold, check out the YouTube channel coming up soon. Um, I'll drop Instagram or and, and YouTube or and Facebook. Um, notes when that's going to come out but for now sneak peek Tony 
Manfantano, your humble host, and Pod Tiki Productions, has released, or is about to release, this summer, sometime around the end of June, the first ever Pod Tiki's Summer Sessions Music EP. These are a collection of four songs that uh, I have written starting going back to a few summers ago. I have gotten to finally get in the studio. These are exaggerated truths and false exaggerations. Uh, just a mix match of whatever. These are these are things taken from my life and experiences and some things that I made up, and it's going to be up to you to figure out which one is which. And uh, these songs will be out sometime in the next six to eight weeks, and I'm going to let you guys know when they're coming, but I have them in my possession now. And um, we're going to do something around the release. We're going to have some kind of maybe a giveaway, maybe some kind of online Zoom party, some kind of virtual happy hour, like a listening party or something. Um, And... I'm really, really excited about it. I think there's finally enough of you guys out there that follow the show now to make this drop worthwhile, and I hope you all enjoy it as well. They will initially be available for streaming on podtiki.com, and um, I was holding off on saying anything until I had the finished product in my hand, and I now have them in my hand. Um, I am... Uh, I have My wife and I have overseen the entire project, the people that played on it, our are good friends of mine. The pers- the people who recorded and produced it are very good friends of mine. And the people who sing on it are pretty good friends of mine. I mean, one of them is, is you know, lays in bed next to me every night. And the other one, well, the other one is me. So they, uh, I'm super excited about it. And I don't know what else to say, so I don't want to ramble on too much because I don't have enough information uh, to really give any more details. But Summer Sessions EP... Dropping in the next maybe two months um, from Pod Tiki, from the Pod Tiki t- podcast and Tony Mafetano, that is me. And uh, yeah, so I'm super excited. I hope you guys are getting excited too. I'm going to be posting some upcoming, starting probably in the next two weeks, I'm going to be posting some teaser videos and some t- and some, some pictures and we'll, fi- we'll lock in what I'm going to do for this release party and then we'll uh, I'll let you guys know. And I really hope that you guys all can be a part of it and spread the word. Uh, more details on everything about the about the backstory and about what the future for the songs is and all that kind of stuff, what the expectations are. More more of that in the YouTube video when I really get to sit down and, and, and pan this out. I just wanted to let you guys know first because no matter what I do content-wise, the podcast is my, is my first love. It's my passion. Um, so the video, the chats, the, the, the virtual happy hour things, all whatever I do out in the Tiki world, this podcast, the writing and recording, and the interaction I get between you guys, the feedback, that is why I do this. That is my first passion and my first love, and I'm happy to share it with all you guys. So I wanted to give you guys a sneak peek first about, about the big news. So yes, four-song EP, dropping at the end of June, Summer Sessions, Volume 1, and uh, from Pod Tiki. And um, I can't wait for you guys to hear it. So on that note, my name is Tony, and this has been Pod Tiki. And I want to thank you so much for listening. Until next time, folks, keep it tiki.